Welcome to the 2015 Perihelion edition of the Laser Podcast. This week, we're discussing a big list of scientific achievements and events from 2014 across all sorts of disciplines, instead of the typical chemistry and engineering and physics that we tend to stick to. Links to everything we'll talk about today will be in the show notes at laserpodcast.com. Hello and welcome to Laser Science Material Science Podcast. I am your, your host, Cameron Kilpis. With me today are our contributors, Chris Travers and Chase Zernabel. That sounds great. We're just going to keep that. Yeah. No, I'm just going to keep that. You can be Cameron today. I'm Cameron. I'm going to be Chase. Hello and welcome to Laser, the Material Science Podcast. I'm Cameron Kopis. I'm the host and producer of the show, and today my co-hosts are Chase and Chris. Hi. Hi. Uh, my name is Chase Yergabell. I'm a metallurgical engineer at a small company here in Phoenix. We do uh, failure analysis and reverse engineering of metal parts for a variety of industries. Finally. Yeah, it's pretty great. I finally, I finally have a job. I was unemployed for um, over a year. I'm, uh, I have something stuck in my throat. All better. I'm Chris, and I'm a grad student at Michigan State University in East Lansing, Michigan, studying material science, and I'm in my fourth year there. He just passed quals. Yeah, well, I passed quals earlier last year. Yes, but earlier in 2014. Yes. The first so, episode of 2015, the first episode in about eight, three seven, months. Seven, three months? Okay. Yeah, there was one in October. Okay. So it's been a while. Yeah. Not, um, we have not been consistent with our updates. No. We've done 10 episodes this year, last year, in 2014. 10 episodes in 12 months. That's not, not the worst podcast in the world, but it's certainly not the two episodes per month that my goal was. We were doing one every two weeks for a while. Yeah. Doing a very good job with that. So but maybe they're alive. We are alive, and uh, this is the special 2015 Perihelion edition. So, are we just going to call it Perihelion every year? Is that is that the thing? That's well. That's, that's what, why yeah, not? We did that last Today year. is actually the Perihelion. Today is oh. January fourth, and uh, we we are the closest to the sun that we will be until next time that we're closest to the sun. Wow, that was really <laughs> descriptive. Thank you. You're you like a poet. Till next year. How about that? They should have sent a poet. Not a physicist. No. Sorry. (laughs) So. All right. So for this this special perihelion edition, I don't know if it's really special, but yearly perihelion edition. Well, this year will be special because we aren't drunk and we're not talking about bees. That's true. All right. That's good. It's much more more special than the last edition of the perihelion. So this, this, so this will be an upgrade. Yes. For an upgraded 2015. Yes. The last Super. one was practice. This is the real thing. Yeah. Dry, dry, yeah. The one last year was practice? Yes. Okay. So don't listen to that one. Bees. Absolutely not. Bees. Bees. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So for this uh, special edition, we have read a whole bunch of lists of best of 2014 things. And we threw most of them out because they were garbage. But we picked some things that were science-related. 
Mm-hmm. Special shout out to our futurism. So, yeah, the Reddit slash r slash futurism actually had a probably the best list that we looked at. It's pretty great. And we found it on Business Insider who lifted it completely just straight up and they did not actually uh, change the image, but they did... Uh, they did manage to remove all the links from the image. So. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> managed to remove all the sources except credit for the person who compiled it. I'm amazed that their ethics let them do that. <laughs> yeah, well, whatever. Um, I don't. Know, I guess we could do a little podcast update. Okay, yeah, sure. Uh, uh, the state of the podcast. State of the podcast, yeah. yeah. So we did ten full episodes last year and a few of the Pulse episodes. Uh, again, not the worst podcast ever but not great everybody in the group chase finally got a job yeah it was exciting yeah uh, chris finished his quals mm-hmm. so he's ready to i'm ready to get comped you're ready to get ready to get a phd i don't know about <laughs> that like the quals are like the first thing msu makes you do so you know you're supposed to have a whole lot of time between quals and actually graduating well yeah but the, but comp, the comp is more significant you are on the path. Yeah, I, I haven't done quals yet, so I thought I thought quals were like not a thing at ASU. I thought it was just your comprehensive. If you have a qual, if your GPA isn't high enough. Oh. Uh, I also I graduated with my master's degree, and so did two other hosts, Alex and Emily. Alex and Emily both also moved away this year. Yeah, both of them moved away. So now we have remote correspondence in Portland and Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. As well as uh, Halifax. As well as Halifax. And And, and uh, East Lansing. Except when I'm here. But you moved away before we even started the podcast. That's true. But it was was in anticipation of us starting a podcast. And I always knew that I would be the first correspondent to the podcast before you guys even thought of doing a podcast. That's why you did it. Good stuff. I'm glad you chose Michigan. Yeah, it's true. Michigan's a great state. All right, so what do we want to start off with? Do we want to do random things, space, biology, or I think physics? We'll do, I think we should just do the, uh, the potpourri bit at the end. Okay. Uh, just, you know. It's like, like mostly computer science yeah. and like social stuff. Yeah, I mean the social stuff, you know, just wrap it up, you know, with, ah, oh, geez, sorry. Just wrapping it up with like something lighthearted, something that we can hear okay. about, you know, get the meat and potatoes of the actual science stuff in the beginning, you know. All right. Well, that sounds good. I'll make sure we're still recording. I'm really paranoid about Jeez this. Louise. Yeah. All right. We're good. All right. <laughs> be well, there's no like indicator that it's actually recording when I change the the window. Well, you'd think it wouldn't just stop by itself. It has done that before, <laughs> and it's very frustrating. I do not like it. All right. So speaking of meat and potatoes, we want to just uh, just jump straight into the physics. Um, physics. Yeah, we do talk about a lot of physics on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, the the first thing that I put on the list. Um, I don't know if it's it's very positive. This is the the announcement from the BICEP2 detector that they have detected gravitational waves um, left over from the Big Bang. Yeah. Take, so, take that religious right or whatever. Checkmate, checkmate atheists. Check, checkmate theists. Oh, okay. Checkmate theists. Uh, early in March of 2014... A, the team of the BICEP2 detector announced that they thought they had detected gravitational waves. So these are evidence of the Big Bang, and they would be left over in the, the cosmic microwave background. And just for clarification, BICEP stands for Background Imaging of Cosmetic Extragalactic Polarization Telescope. Yeah. 
And it's got the top Kakarai. Well, no, just Kek, but I was making a joke for the... That's a joke? It's a stupid thing from the internet, okay? It's okay. That's what the... I don't even play World of Warcraft. Why do I know that that, that, that Kek is what they call, is what they say, is what the Horde players say instead of LOL. Because... But anyway, so... So the, the team was uh, led by John Kovac. And they released this announcement. They were pretty confident in it. But a little bit later, they, there were uh, some questions brought up about how reliable this data was. So it's no fault of these actual researchers, but... There needs to be some more investigation into how, or into to what kind of noise that the measurement could have uh, could have had that might have affected these results. So there's even now there's still a lot of uh, speculation. No, what's what's the word? Debate. Uh, well, all right. Skepticism. Skepticism. Yeah, there's a lot of skepticism of these results now. But initially, everybody got really excited about it because this would be a really huge discovery um so i guess it's still because it would be because the the main reason it would be a huge discovery is because it would be uh demonstrable proof of the existence of the big bang it would no longer be uh, like a purely speculation-based theory there'd be hard evidence yeah there would be hard evidence explaining it so hard evidence demonstrating that 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 was the case um yeah that would be really good yeah that would be very it would be very it'd be a huge breakthrough it'd be very much I mean, I don't think it would change too much in the way that the Big Bang Theory is taught, and it certainly would not, um, I don't think it would necessarily change our understanding of the Big Bang so much, it would just be nice to have confirmation. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's nice to come up with with stories, but when you don't have any evidence, specific evidence for the story, then it's it's hard. They are still just stories. Yeah. It's just an area. So, yeah, so this would have been a big breakthrough, but apparently there's... uh, There are some questions about that. Um, I found an article right here about some guy saying, well, I don't know if how, how recently, if this has been updated, but some guy, but apparently some uh, gentleman on the universe today uh, is defending the results. Okay. So. Well, I mean, I guess that's, this needs to be debated in scientific literature, not politically and like. Right. Because you can want a result to be really true, and then you end up faking well, results or publishing results that you aren't a hunter. I wouldn't be confident in otherwise. Well, and that's actually one of, this is actually one of the few stories from this year. We had a few, we, we were reading these lists, we found a few stories where, you know, it was huge breakthroughs, like the stem cell one, that, yeah. where it was, people were <clears throat> falsifying their results. So this was one where it's like the, the big breakthrough turned out to be, you know, bogus, but it wasn't, beca- it was because it was an honest mistake and not because it was somebody trying to get funding or, yes. you know, or, or, or get some you know exposure or anything like that so yeah well the, the stem cell thing that chase is mentioning is is a uh, a japanese team announced published a big paper that was very exciting for a few weeks in that they could induce stem cells from induce pluripotent stem cells from just about any other cell by just putting them in a light acid bath and it seems like the kind of thing that Somebody would have tried, but it, a lot of people got really excited about it, and then as people tried to replicate the study, they realized that it was Bob not does. working, and then they looked further at some of the images, and they had like they had altered some of the pictures. Um, I don't know anything about 
I've, I think I remember reading, reading about this, but um, to put it very simply, because I don't know anything about biology either, um, a lot of these pictures, they, they display their... They display data in kind of lanes. So one lane is a control group, another lane is an experimental group, and they're supposed to be right next to each other in, to indicate that they're in the same experiments. But um, people using uh, photo, photo analyzing software uh, found that um, the two lanes, which are supposedly right next to each other you know, in real space, were actually uh, just kind of cropped in. Okay. And that's... Uh, I, and apparently that made things different. Okay, yeah. Well, I mean, if you do two different experiments, you can't say that these no. were done together. So, Obvi- yeah, obviously. Yeah, but I'm, um, yeah, it was. Uh, so that was very sad because that was the one researcher ended up committing suicide because of the fallout. That wasn't That's, the, that wasn't the lead. That was one of that was on the team of the lead researcher. The lead researcher still insists that everything is true and one hundred percent authentic, but one of the other people admitted that they falsify data. So it was like a grad student fake data or something. Uh, I don't know the whole story again. We maybe we I could be talking bad about somebody without uh, without having any evidence. So I'm going to stop and I'm not going to say any, we're not going to say any names. Yeah. Um but that was a very sad thing to happen. And I mean and this year. it was actually a pretty this year was actually a pretty good year for just general like you know medical medical science in the sense that uh oh yeah and especially with genetics like like in genetics and stem cells and things like that we had the um well wait do we want to switch over to genomic or to biology it seems like we know that's where we're going all right let's do it uh we found they found that uh they had the first implantable uh they made uh artificial white blood cells using skin cells that they had treated and they were using those as a injectable cancer vaccine a little bit. That's a little bit of a simplification, but apparently what they were doing is they were modifying skin cells to act as white blood, to piggyback on white blood cells that would attack uh, cancerous or diseased cells. Mm. So, just like a, you could just inject more white blood cells into your, into your system. So, I don't know... The extent of how how, how much of how successful, how successful that was, but apparently it was a uh, it was enough to make the, the year end list of you know cool stuff that happened. Well, this, there was there was another one that I think is even more important than the white blood cell that in September, mm-hmm. where a Japanese team implanted induced pluripotent stem cells into a eye into a a seventy year old woman's eye. Oh. And the stem cells were able to help f- repair her um, age-related macular degeneration. And this this was like the first induced or stem cell surgery that was complete that was successful. And uh, I don't think it's on that list. No, it was. It was okay. I don't know that was September. That was very. That was much earlier in the year. Oh, was it? Yeah, I believe that was in. Um... So, I mean, that was based off of work in 2006. So that was the the 2006 Nobel Prize was for the tech this real technique to make stem cells, um, and it, only since 2006 they they've already developed a technique and already used it in somebody to help cure their blindness or macular degeneration. I don't know if cure is the right word, but but help it. So that's I think that's pretty excited. Exciting. Exciting. What did I say? You said exciting. Oh, that's pretty exciting. They've also done a bit of other of some other medical research this year. Um, 
you know, they started, we couldn't find any data on the results or any indication of the results, but they started doing uh, suspended animation. Uh, replacing people's blood with a s- chilled saline solution, which I, again, none of us are biologists. That doesn't seem like something that you would want to have done to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think these people were alive. I didn't, no, I don't want to talk about that. I don't, I don't like that story. Because it makes you uncomfortable or because it's it, just... It makes me uncomfortable and I don't believe it because I didn't read a paper about it. The, yeah, we, again, we couldn't find a paper about it. We just found, like, they, they started human trials this year. And I mean, that's... Well, kind of, no, we found a picture from Reddit that says they no, started I found trials. No, I found, a, I read a bunch of, I was looking at, oh. I, read, I read a bunch of article, news articles. So I, again, could not find any scientific articles about it, but I read a bunch of news articles like, oh, snap, the... The FDA is approving human trials on suspended animation. Well, that would be super cool if we knew some biologists. Well, we don't. <laughs> womp womp. We should probably That's try weird. To... How do we not know any biologists? They're weird people. we're all material scientists. They are weird people? Isn't it probably that we are weird and... I don't know, man. They like deal with like rotting flesh and organic matter and stuff. I knew a bunch of biologists, and they were milking spiders for their silk and stuff. And just, just weird stuff, man. I don't know. All right. Well, if, if anybody listening is a biologist and you can send us papers or yell at us for being idiots, idiots about be this, idiot. that would be great if you could send them to us so we could educate ourselves. Um, another biology thing that I have on the list is the that there were genetically engineered monkeys yeah, born in China. Yeah, that was also very cool. They, uh, that was the first genetic and genetically engineered, uh, well, I don't know, if, it's not the first, obviously it's not the first genetically engineered life, life, life form that we've, we've made, but... Monkeys are very close to humans. So, I'd say probably in the next couple decades we'll start to be, see, you know... Yeah. You just have to get, you know, customizable babies. I don't know that that's going to be legal... Uh, I mean, well, human cloning is still illegal. So I, but it's not human cloning. It's it's modifying a genome. And technically, into, uh, and I mean, te- I feel like. All right, here here's kind of where I I feel like, uh, laws and ethics will kind of stop science. And I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but I don't think it will happen. I I do. Because I think people will, because I think that scientists, geneticists, and biologists will make the case that this could, this is basically preventative care. Because what you could do is you could, you you can be like, oh, well, we see that there's this sequence here for, uh, you know, a perforated heart, or this sequence here is going to lead to, um, you know, some sort of like, you know, a, like uh, ALS, or this this sequence here is uh, this sequence here indicates a pre- prevalence towards sickle cell anemia or anything like that. So they'll be able, to, so you'll be able to just modify or remove those traits. So that'll and that'll save billions and billions of dollars in prevent in in medicine after the after the child is born. So I'm saying, That's will, you, will you ever? But be able- then, all right, there was <clears throat> that uh, Michael Crichton novel. Next, that had that in it, who had designer babies in it, and there was a lot of bad stuff with it. I think that so. You'll, I think yeah, you'll probably you're right. It'll probably be a limit where it's like you're not allowed to say you know. You, it'll, there'll definitely be bans on like we want your baby. It's like I want my baby to be six foot four and blonde and blue eyed with an IQ of one seventy. And although, let's be honest, would that be so terrible? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, if you can. <laughs> I mean that would it would also certainly eliminate a lot of uh, 
Well, I mean, you, there, there's definitely some ramifications to that. Like, if some parents choose not to do that just because it's like it violates their own personal morals or their religious beliefs, would you create an underclass of people who are not genetically perfect? And I, I mean, think I think that there are a lot of sci-fi about that already we, warning we, us. We also have we also have in, we also kind of already have that sort of underclass based on per- parents' beliefs. Which is, you know, people, kids who aren't vaccinated and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's like, you know, this is just that on a much more, I would say, life-altering scale because, you know, you could just never be vaccinated and just never end up getting the mumps or the measles or anything like that. But, you know, it's pretty obvious if, you know, my parents, if your parents say, I'm not going to make this kid perfect. Yeah. Okay. You know, I'm saying, but I'm saying, so I'm saying, but I'm saying, I think it will go to the point where they're like, we're going to eliminate. Deadly, diseases, deadly disease, like you know, de- and like genetic disorders. We're going to eliminate that kind of stuff from maybe. It so, might, it might, and that might, and, be that, and that would be, and that would be very. It definitely be, definitely unburden our healthcare system a little bit, and it would probably improve life expectancy and quality of life for billions of people around the world. Yeah, so, it, it very well could, but it might only be for uh, the rich. The rich. I mean, it is. It basically will only well, it be will, for the well, rich at first. T- well, uh, yeah, at first, but that's true of almost every technology. Okay, but then doesn't that kind of create a gap where the people who haven't been genetically modified are so disadvantaged? Oh, okay, that's everything. I don't. Let's yeah, not that, get into that now. That's, that's yeah. Ev- yeah, I'm saying that that's true of every single technology. I mean, yeah. That's, okay, but I'm saying you know you can. Even now, people in sub-Saharan, you know, like these really poor sub-Saharan African nations that, you know, everybody's got like cell phones and the internet and, yeah. or, or not everyone, but certainly a lot, a, lot, a, lot, a lot of people have have all those things, even though, you know, 10 years ago, that would have been unthinkable, an unthinkable luxury. Yeah. So I'm saying... Okay. And there are things like some diseases have been virtually eradicated, mm-hmm. even from areas like that. So, yeah. okay. So that, I, might, that might be great. Yeah. Um, and I think if you can... I mean, obviously, we're putting the cart before the horse here a little bit because obviously, all they just did was it was like, "Hey, we got some GMO monkeys." You know? Oh no, not GMO monkeys! Are they organic? They can't be organic if they're GMO. Come I think on. you can be organic. Can you? I. It's kinda, not I, important. Let's not. I kind of feel like hippies will be like, "It's GMO. It can't be organic." <laughs> okay. Well, I, these... I, I fake smoked weed, internet. But I don't know. It's just yeah. All right. I organic is like oh, it's completely unaltered, and we didn't use pesticide because we really hate crop yields. We just we just hate it. Well, the those monkeys were were modified using a technique called CRISPR, uh, or I don't know if it's a, a technique called CRISPR, but it's a machine called CRISPR, which stands for the CRISPR drawer. The CRISPR drawer. Yeah, you just put it in the fridge and it fixes all the genes. It's perfect. <laughs> you know, we all have this technology at our fingertips. Yeah. Well, Chris, CRISPR is a new company started like last year, I think. So they're only, they're very new. And so, their machine is called, is Clustered Regularly Interspaced Short Palindromic Repeats. It's the name of the company, is the, the name of the machine. Boy, it sounds like they really tried hard to make that into an acronym that can just be read quickly. Um, that's probably very important for a name like that. But um, yeah. they're able to basically modify a specific gene, and you can have... What are they changing the monkeys? Uh, I think these particular monkeys were changed to have a disease, like a heart condition or something, for, for research. That's pretty messed up. It might be messed up, yeah. Let me... Yeah, customized mutations. 
I'm opening the, the article now. But speaking of uh, customizable things for mutations, there was another story on that list of uh, researchers in the UK made miniature artificial hearts that they uh, could then infect with heart diseases and then test drugs on. I s- that's, a, that's a little... Yeah, that kind of stuff makes me a little bit nervous because how can you really ever prove that this system is the same as a human system since well, you're not allowed to do those experiments in the first place? I guess that's, that's like having to use lab rats and you know mice before well, if you can establish If you can establish like an acceptable margin of safety for those procedures, that's still like way better than... Absolutely. Just being, hey, you know, we think this will work... And then, how do they do tr- human trials now? They'll do human trials by, like, just, like, hey, you're dying. So, you want to take a crack at this? I might help you. You know. I learned all of my medical data watching Scrubs, so... <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I think that's how most of us learned it. Yeah. yeah. Well, this, Excuse, this guy over here knew what a, the, that rabbit disease was because... Because of house? Yeah, because yes. of house, yeah. You have tularemia from your rabbits. <laughs> is my best house impression. All right, that sounds great. It's just a solid house. Well, why don't we move on? Let's get out of biology since we don't know anything about it. Yep. Also, let me apologize again to any actual biologists who uh, are offended by our uneducated discussions. Why don't you go back to messing with plants or whatever it is you people do? Wait, are you insulting the people who we might have just insulted? Yes. (sighs) Thanks, Chase. (laughs) <laughs> I, can, I continue to be the Simon Cowell of this podcast. Okay. All right. Uh, where are we going back to? Probably just back to physics. Back to physics. All I right. We'll, I think we'll wrap. I think we'll just save space as like the big, big, the big payload. Okay. <laughs> payload. <laughs> anyway. Um, well, before we get to Chris's story, I actually think that one of the most important science stories of the year, or maybe not most important, but one something that might be significant in the future is the. Uh, extraction of hydrocarbon fuels from seawater thing that you t- brought earlier yeah. this year. Yeah, I did. So we talked about that. So that what it was was the research team sponsored by the U.S. Navy had found a way to uh, catalyze salt water and extract hydrocarbon fuel. Now, the energy output of it or the energy the energy input that in order to extract, extract you know, the, the fuel and, you know, catalyze all of that was extremely high, but you could use that for renewable sources. So you, it was a nice, the, the concept was it's like you don't have to switch over your fleet. You can just use your alternative fuel to make your tradition, make tra- traditional fuel. carbon-based fuels. Um, so it's not like a great thing for the environment because you're still burning this fuel that you make, and it's ne- energy negative. So you have to put more energy in than you get out. That's true, but, but I mean, that's true of like a lot of our alternative yeah like our, our alternative fuels that don't involve radically overhauling the way that we burn energy um i think that this might have I, some effects in the future the like, other thing was that i think it'll help uh remove some of the carbon that's saturating the uh, the you mean like carbon saturation of the ocean that'll actually you know help I feel like in order to do that, you'd have to do so much of this that it would probably be end up being worse for the environment some other way. Yeah, I'm just saying, you know. We need some someone to do a lot of math about that, probably, to see if that would I mean, end up can, being worse. But I mean, taking car, but I mean, taking, well, I guess, on the other hand, then you're just burning it again, so I mean... Yeah, so it's just going to go back into the ocean. Well, you know. But 
yeah, ocean acidification is very bad. I yeah. guess anything you can do to get carbon out of it is might be helpful. Who knows? But the exact comp. But uh, if you remember that episode, we also got a comment. We also got a comment on the development from the U.S. Secretary of the Navy, uh, who I went to see speak about uh, sustainability at uh, Arizona State. He his entire commentary was, "It's promising. We don't really we don't really know what to do with it yet." <laughs> Well, it, yeah, it's a great, it's a good headline. Yeah, it was a big attention grabber, and it was not, but there was not really any sort of. Uh, I would say there's nothing uh, conclusive about it yet. I would say that it's still, it's 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 cool, it's interesting. It makes the stoners from that '70s show kind of be like they made a car that runs on water, man. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, so Chris, about your thing. So uh, earlier this year, I think uh, it was in the summer. Uh, these guys at MIT. Uh, put up a neat little video and a paper on uh, visual microphones. So essentially what they did was they took inanimate objects like a bag of chips, a glass of water, a plant, and they uh, they filmed these things with uh, with a high-speed camera while playing loud music or, or speech in the room with the object. And they analyzed the vibrations of the object, you know, the bag or the plant or whatever, using these high-speed cameras. And from those vibrations, they were able to um, reproduce the sound that was playing in the room. I think that's a little nutty. It's kind of crazy. Everybody. Spies love it. Spies, well, <laughs> it's basically, yeah, it, it sounds a lot like that. The, like, sh- uh, shine a laser at a window and you can hear what they're saying inside. Based yeah. Based on, the, it, like... Interference of the the laser are, bouncing back. Are you thinking of the exact same episode of Burn Notice that I'm? Thinking yeah, of? I am yeah. probably thinking of that. But I, I actually I watched that, that show, and I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> There's an episode of Burn Notice where I uh, Burn Notice. They, uh, where Bert, where they where like the one guy has come down in Burn Notice and he's, and he's bugged Burn Notice's apartment, but they can't find any electronic mics. So <laughs> Burn Notice uh, is like, hey, let's check with let's take the let's take infrared pictures of this wind of this window here. And oh, you can see the, like the the show up from the laser that they're shining into my window, and so then he tapes a vibrator to the window <laughs> <laughs> to defeat the uh, the mic, and it's just that's fantastic. See, that's the use for those uh, those suction cup speakers that you can stick on windows, or you can just duct tape a vibrator to it. That's that works too. Also, for clarification. Um, when we talk about Burn Notice's apartment, we actually talk about Michael Weston, but his name is Burn Notice. The name of the main character is the name of the show. Don't we have a lot of international listeners who probably have never seen a really crappy syndicated show about spies? It is not crappy. It's amazing. <laughs> it's over. It's also over. It's over, it? and I'm so sad. They had three good seasons, and then they introduced like <laughs> then they introduced the guy who plays Conway on Conway Stern on Archer, Jesse. Oh, oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Well, all right, but getting able, being able to to get sound out of video is kind of cool. I mean, it's we, it's I, a that's a computational. We watched the thing, we watched the video for this, and honestly, it sounded like the kind of thing that'd be really easy to fake. I mean, I don't believe that they faked it, but it seems like it'd be really easy to just like. Say your way. Yeah, it's like, hey, we see see how this leaf isn't really moving. You can't see it with your naked eye, but look what we did. You know, (laughs) maybe, maybe. I feel like, yeah, there were some problems because they said things like it was it moved less than one one hundredth of a pixel. And okay, that's true, but um, they did mention that you know 
essentially what they're looking at are not the movements of the plant themselves in the video because you know again it moves less than one one hundredth of a pixel. They're looking at uh, you know minute color changes within individual pixels situated around the edge of whatever it is they're looking at. Okay. So, you know that it might and it could be just them talking out there, but I mean, it, I think you'd have to do some double blind stuff where people could, would send in a video. Yeah, because they did know, and they would have to because it's like if you know what it's supposed to sound like, it's like oh, we can just like tweak it a little bit to make it sound like that, mm-hmm. which obviously is good when you're developing your algorithm, but. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's that, that's something you know. So like, you know what it should sound like, so you tweak that. But like you know, once you're ready to test it on its own, you shouldn't you shouldn't you should be able to like just be like, hey, I I played a random song into this empty room and took a video of it. So <laughs> tell me what song I was playing. Yeah, because that's one of the things they did show in the in the this research video was so being able to detect what song. Yeah, using a cell phone. Yeah, Shazam. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, well, let's get to some actual important stuff. Space. 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 I don't know why we're the space podcast, basically. Since, space since... bees. <laughs> Laser sounds. Laser sounds. <laughs> space bees. So so as a podcast where none of us work in the space industry or space research anymore. We Ch- st- Chase worked in there at some point. Yeah, yeah not, he, he, he I did. I said anymore. But, yeah. Well, there was still a lot of cool, really cool space stuff this year. And a lot of it was about commercial space, the commercial space industry becoming more like accepted in the public. I think that's probably the most important thing. There were also a couple of high-profile space disasters this year. There were, uh, um, for instance, uh, what was it? Uh, there Virgin, was Virgin Galactic's uh, experimental passenger jet blew up and killed both the pilots, which is very tragic. No, it crashed, and only one of them. Oh, I thought two of them died. I I'm fairly certain two people died in that in that crash. There was also, uh, this was, I think it was Orbital Sciences uh, yes, or- spacecraft blew up on launch. Uh, it was yeah, un- the Antares, Antares Cygnus mission. S- yeah, it was a resupply, it was an unmanned resupply mission to the ISS. Um, fortunately, the most significant damage, other than the billions in property, or other than the billions in property that it cost, uh, was uh, they lost a lot of science experiments that, yeah. were, that were bound for the ISS, and that was uh, that's a bummer. And a lot of them were like science experiments from elementary schools and high schools. Who, I mean, a class was watching that live to make to see, oh, my experiment's going up to space, and then it kind of whoops, it had to be aborted. So yeah, that's that, kind of that was very disappointing, very rough. Um, I don't don't doubt that it was not uh, met. It was about pretty badly by orbital sciences. I used, I did used to work there, and I knew a few people who worked on Antares. But I feel like they probably that was problem. That was a big blow for them. I feel very bad. Yeah, it was pretty devastating. But it was. But they are continuing, so it's not like that has destroyed commercial space. Um, the Virgin Galactic one. Let's see. No, I think only one of them died. Oh. That's not. That's not. They were too hurt. Oh, one dead, one seriously hurt. Yeah. Did he later die of his wounds? I yeah. That's what I don't, I can't find. But the Virgin Galactic spaceship two crash was very bad. Um, but this is. I mean, going to space is really difficult, especially for a private company who doesn't have the billions and billions of dollars that NASA had during the space race, or that the Russians had during the space race. So it's like it's. There are going to be accidents, but I think 
it's still important to continue with this, with uh, trying to go to space. Yes, definitely. It's incredibly important. Because I really feel like, I, I feel like it's hard to explain to like my parents or something, but I think space exploration is the, maybe the most important thing to be working on. If you think about it, like a really long-term view. Well, yeah, it's the future of the human race because Earth isn't going to be here forever. Yeah, we have to leave it at some point. We have to leave Earth at some point, and if we if we're talking about continuation of the species, we kind of have to spread out and not be all concentrated on one planet where one stray asteroid could kill all humans, or one solar flare, or, or one strain of deadly deadly bacteria. Yeah, you know. Yeah, one disease could kill all humans. So or... all so all humanity. The survive like the, the we are actually in a very perilous position, especially you know the way we're living our lives on this planet right now. But yeah, so I think space exploration is the one thing that could at least help us with that. And I mean, it's not like I'm saying no- nothing else is important because medicine is is still very important and everything else is still very important. But you can kind of do that. And either at the same time or later. I mean, I feel like a lot of the developments, especially in physics and material science and and just energy production, all of those things are very important for space travel and are actually the only way that we're going to actually achieve anything significant with space travel is if we continue on with all those fields. And even some of that stuff with the suspended animation, if they can... If they can you can get that, then it's easier to go to Mars with suspended right. animation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you don't have to, and you know, if you can figure out how long-term suspended animation, you don't have to have generation ships. You know, if, if we're going to try to colonize other other solar systems, because you can just suspended and suspendedly animate people yeah. for generations and then have them come back out. Well, if we're talking about that, another one of the stories on here is that uh, the. NASA Kepler mission has more than doubled the number of exoplanets that is detected. Yes, or, now they found 715 or something like that this they, year. That was well, that was announced 715 new exoplanets in February, mm-hmm. and they've done a lot more since then. Mm-hmm. And they've even found some a number of planets that are relatively Earth-sized, and they are within the habitable zone they, of stars. Yes, that, that happened this year. The first planet. Earth, the first Earth-like planet within the habitable zone of a solar system has been discovered. Yeah. So that's, I mean, really exciting. And even if they're very far away, it's conceivable that someday something could reach there or go towards it. Or even that we could discover extant life yeah. on planets like that. Yeah, life similar to us or yes. similar to what we know as life. Yeah, uh, life we would be able to identify. Yeah. We also found a few things within our own solar system that are pretty interesting uh, in terms of life. We they, we confirmed, I believe, one of, uh, it was either, Ur- I think it was either Uranus, it was one of Uranus's or Saturn's moons was actually found to have, um, if they proved that it had uh, water. Oh, one of Saturn's moons has water on has liquid water below the surface. Yes, yeah. They found that, and then they also found uh, a, a mini planet within the asteroid belt that was uh, releasing water vapor. So they found an asteroid that also had liquid water. 
But so that's just interesting stuff, just in terms of colonization. Yeah. Um, so there was water there, and then I, even on Mars, we found a lot. They found water in the soil. I think that was last year, not 2014. Yes, but 2014, they found, um, or maybe Curiosity might have dis- might have detected uh, methane on Mars, and they think that that could be a sign of some underground life or something. Uh, and there are some ideas that there might be water, liquid water, underground on Mars, too. See, I mean, that's... But we have plenty of... See, we have plenty of methane-producing processes that have nothing to do with life. There, there are, absolutely. But they're still... Those are organic molecules on Mars. Mm. So that's... Yeah, no, that's... Very, that's not... I'm not saying it's evidence of life. I'm saying it's, it's, it's interesting. It's certainly... Yes, and again, that is, it is uh, nice to have some organics we could that might mean we can mine mars for fuel great since we aren't mining enough <laughs> I, uh, you All know right. yeah i feel like i hope I, I hope i live long enough to be to fulfill my dream of being the first owner of an open pit mine on mars oh that's terrible <laughs> i i feel like you well you can't do it anyway this dust the grit is too fine there's no way you could really open pit mine yeah, yeah. all right and I feel like with, with like space exploration and asteroid mining and everything, it's very possible that humanity could live in a material, like in a, in a, in a world or in a universe without material scarcity. Where you don't have to worry about, oh, well, we want to build this thing, but steel is too expensive to buy this much steel. Well, steel would be kind of expensive because you'd still have to break down like carbon. Oh, I guess how much... You know, is there, like, a lot of carbon in, inherent, like... The there's, a, there's a lot of iron in asteroids and that I kind do of know stuff. that. So, I feel like it's possible that there's... I mean, there's... There are diamonds all over on the the gas giants. Uh, there's iron everywhere. There's platinum everywhere. That's an interesting concept, because that would really drive down, like... Material the, costs. Well, it'll also drive down the, the relative values of precious and semi-precious metals, which, no, well, they'll do the same thing they're already doing with diamonds here. There's, there are lots of diamonds, but they're intentionally made scarce. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's true. Let's not get into talking about De Beers today. Well, plus they also, there's also that sort of conceit that a man-made diamond is inferior to a natural diamond. But is a natural diamond on... Jupiter or Uranus different than well certainly for a while it will definitely be Absolutely. much 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 more valuable because like hey you want hey babe I'm gonna propose this was on Jupiter this is a space diamond <laughs> space diamond <laughs> yeah I would like to have a space diamond as well. okay great <laughs> all right um, what else do we need to talk about guys that's uh, some wrap up stuff you know like the Okay. Oh, yeah, we missed that Voyager left the solar system. Yes, we have our first exo-solar... Interstellar. Interstellar. Our first first exo-solar piece of equipment that we have launched. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that is super exciting. Yeah. Now, how do they define that that it's exo-solar? Is it just no longer within the sun's... Oh, within the solar wind or something. Protection of the solar wind. Um, Yeah, That's really complicated. There's a lot of definitions for that. I think... What I read was that uh, they had detected significant amounts. They suddenly started detecting significant amounts of either solar wind or radiation or something that, if it were inside the solar system, would have been protected better from all that. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's really neat. That 
But it only took us 35 years. 37 years. <laughs> All right. A um, couple other wrap-up things. There was a lot of stuff with computers. Oh, yeah. Computers. There was bad stuff with computer security there was and the, the internet. The Heartbleed virus all summer. Yeah. So, yeah, we had a, an episode about the Heartbleed or a a short show about the Heartbleed. And so a lot of bad stuff about computer security and everybody's data being open to everybody forever. Um, there was what Facebook was experimenting on users without consent or without them knowing. Yeah, that informed consent, which I think is a, a violation of a lot of, although I guess it's definitely not in a scientific experiment, it's marketing. Yeah, but it's still, I mean, it wouldn't pass an ethics committee. Well, that's true. It wouldn't pass a, a university ethics committee, that an experiment like that. Because they were literally making people depressed without their knowledge, and that was what what their experiment was. Um, so that's not really great. But, you know, let's yeah. not toot the horns of universi- of universities just yet because they were also duped because a bunch of scientific papers got published this year uh, that were generated by random, just random, they were just randomly generated. <laughs> yeah, computer-generated yeah. papers. So there, there was this, a thing was, uh, that said more than 120 gibberish papers were withdrawn from journals. Um, a lot of these were like conference publications and stuff like that. But now somebody wrote something that... Uh, something called SciGen, and that was that's pretty old, but it generates random scientific papers. It's, it was a really funny little prank that they were doing there, because they actually used that program to generate fake presentations for some, you know, low-level conference that, that in their own words, was you, you can find in your spam box. <laughs> well, there are a lot of fake conferences that email you in fake journals that ask you, oh, publish your paper here. It only costs $500 yeah. to publish. <laughs> so it's, it's a real shame right. that this software that was meant for levity has been, uh, or software like this has been used in such a serious, unethical yeah. manner. Because I feel like that kind of thing... It does a good thing in bringing up the problems with the publishing system. Um, and there's been a lot of talk about the problems with the, the publishing system already this year with Open Archive becoming so big and stuff like PubPeer, uh, where scientists comment on each other's papers anonymously. Uh, and then what else? And the archive is becoming really popular. I think this year they passed a million or how many papers published on the archive was it a million more than that i feel like uh archive oh yeah archive preprint server passes a million articles so there's a lot of already talk about changes within the peer-reviewed literature and this brings up some other flaws in it so it's i guess it's it's good a good uh, addition to the discussion. And I guess we, if we want to end on a good note... Cosmos was pretty cool. Cosmos was really cool. I have not watched a single episode of Cosmos. I probably never will. I, I have stated before on, my, on this show, I do not like Neil deGrasse Tyson. I think he is one of the most overrated personalities in science. I'm against the science celebrity. Such animosity. Oh, what about, like, Carl Sagan was a science celebrity, though, I, too? I honestly just kind of make... Every time I say Hail Sagan, I'm really just making fun of people who really like Carl Sagan. <laughs> okay. 
All right, uh, Richard Feynman was a science celebrity, and he did a lot of really cool stuff. He did do a lot of really cool stuff, but you know what I remember Richard Feynman for was not actually his science. It was, it was more about his. Uh, I also just enjoy his exploits of legendary poon houndery. That's, <laughs> That's just, terrible. Okay, it's funny stuff. Well, Anyway, I think this. I think that Cosmos was awesome, and it's great to have. No, I won't. I won't deny that. I I didn't watch Cosmos for myself, but I do think it's really great that we actually had such a high profile uh, science, science education science education thing that was very mainstream. Um, got a lot of discussion. Yeah. I think, oh, I think also it's... happened in 2015. Maybe bears mentioning uh, we had Bill Nye go head to head with Ken Ham. Yeah. Ken Ham. Uh, I don't know if I really like that. Yeah, there's... that whole debate thing. I don't like the structure, but it was definitely high profile. It brought some attention to an issue that apparently we, as scientists, we have often thought has just been kind of a settled and done deal. But apparently, according to public opinion, it's still more of a a question. Yeah, it's a a question to them, especially. I think that's more of a commentary on how woeful our public science education is. So that's again a good thing that we have people like we. As much as I don't like the idea of a science celebrity, I think it's good that we have them to sort of bring attention to things that need attention. So, yeah, yeah. Did you have something else to say about Cosmos? Uh, I was gonna. I forgot. Well, it's good. Brought a lot of science education to people, and what else? Oh, I heard that Netflix is rebooting the Magic School Bus series, too. What? I didn't hear about that. Are they really doing that? Yeah. That's sweet. I know that they put the Magic School Bus on Netflix. They, but now it's gone now. What? Yeah. Well, I guess if it gets back, if they start, to, if they actually reboot it, they'll, they'll put all the old Syndicate episodes on, too. Probably. Let's <clears> see. <throat> let, me, let me make sure. I'm... All right. This is a Huffington Post article. Oh, well. Oh, no. Here, Time Magazine. That's at least a, a source. Shh. Yeah, it's a source other than Huffington Post. Fair enough. In June, uh, blah, 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 New York Times reports that Netflix is ordering a reboot of the Magic School Bus called Magic School Bus 360 Degrees. There's a degree sign in there, but maybe they're just calling it Magic School Bus 360, sponsored by Xbox. I added, this, I added the sponsored part. Okay. But... It's not actually sponsored by Xbox. <laughs> you don't know. Oh, it says it will use computer-generated animation. So I don't know if that means it'll be like the weird 3D, like the new Winnie the Pooh stuff is, but... It's going to be weird 3D. Uh, Why do you know what the new Winnie the Pooh stuff is like? I don't know. Do you have young cousins, or...? No. You just watch Winnie the Pooh? I don't have cable, but... Oh, when we're at Michelle's house, we watch the Harry Potter on ABC Family Weekend, and they have commercials for... Ah, that'll do it. You know what would be really terrifying if they did like a hyper-realistic... Uh, like one of those like hyper like those hyper realistic CGI movies about like the Hundred Acre Wood Winnie the Pooh. I think it'd be <laughs> terrifying. You could do like a gritty Pooh reboot. Oh, that'd be really scary. It could be. Uh... It's the trials and tribulations of Christopher Robin, a young boy with many many mental disorders, characterized by the various inhabitants of the Hundred Acre Wood. It would have to be Tim Burton. No, Tim, Tim Burton <laughs> directs Winnie He's, the Pooh. You could also have a director. That, would, that wouldn't that wouldn't be gritty. That would be goofy and stupid. Wait, wait. So, so if you could have the Michael Bay direct it and have Winnie the Pooh be a real bear that's all ferocious and everything, and Christopher Robin be this absolute badass who the bear doesn't attack because he's just too badass. Okay, but if, but if it was a Michael Bay movie, Winnie the Pooh would be an alien, and it would just be terrible. 
It would be terrible. It would be terrible, but there'd be lots of explosions. Yeah, I don't know where they'd come from. <laughs> from Tigger's tail. Oh, bother. Boom. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, I think we are at, we're past, a little bit past an hour. Um, so that's actually pretty good. We stayed almost on topic the whole time. Yeah, we did not bad. I mean, plus there's a little there's a little bit on the bottom. Of, yeah, a little bit at, at the beginning. So that, it's going to be like a shorter episode, probably like 45 minutes. That's fine. Yeah. Um, how do we end these? From all of us here at Veteran News One, go f- yourself, San Diego. <laughs> good night and good luck. All right. Uh, and that's the way it is. Oh. Yeah, Walter Cronkite, you. Uh, I don't know if there are any other podcasts like sign-offs that I know of. Bye. Oh, bye. Bye. Oh, so we waves out of our hands waving. Yeah, that's being picked up. That's as loud as you talking. Wow. Yeah. Goodness. Christ. Okay. Uh, well, thank you for listening to this year's... To, the, uh, to this... Saturday. Is this 2015? Yeah. This is the 2015 Parahelion edition and episode 19 of the Laser Podcast. We'll see you right back here in October when Marty McFly comes to visit the podcast. Oh, we need to talk about the hoverboards. I've been meaning to do that for months. Oh, right, the hoverboard thing. Yeah. (laughs) How did that slide by? All right, we'll do that this month. Okay. All right. All right, well, bye. Uh, uh, no, that's it. Thanks for listening. This has been Laser. Let's agree, science and engineering are rad. Show notes with links to everything we talked about are available on the website at laserpodcast.com. You can send us an email to contact at laserpodcast.com, contact us on Twitter at laserpodcast, or find us on Facebook or Google Plus. If you want to help out the podcast. You can tell a friend or leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher Radio, or you can use the Amazon affiliate link on our website before you make any Amazon purchases. Thanks to the band Crying for providing our intro music, and to The Wild for providing our outro music. side story now we're having a rumble yeah i want a rumble this might even be dumber than the bees <laughs> <laughs> we should watch dr bees <laughs> no we should not watch dr bees you have no one to blame for dr bees but yourself because i know i, I did know. not know what dr bees was and then you're like hey how about some bees? <laughs> and then you're like, a bunch of bees died last year. And I'm like, shit, I bet a bunch of bees die every year because bees don't have a very long lifespan. <laughs> but it's more bees than we wanted to die. They're still not back. We still I don't... Uh, no, the bees are gone. They're never coming back. Just, just get over it. Colony collapsed. Everyone's dead. I heard this thing on... on 
radio lab recently about like this Chinese village where all the bees like are just gone. So they hire people to manually pollinate all of the apple orchards and they go with like brushes and they brush one flower and they brush another flower and it's better than the bees because they actually pollinate every single flower but it takes forever takes a lot of work and it's it, the results like aren't as good as we, the bees or something we it's better than the bees it's not as good as the bees <laughs> there's no consistency in that story no there isn't any consistency and that's Radiolab does that a lot, where they're like, here's a great thing. Oh, it's not so great. Yeah, let's trash another. Let's trash another, you know, let's podcast. Another, yeah, they're NPR, so we're allowed to trash them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Such animosity. I can't deal with NPR. I just can't listen to idiots talk. Said the guy on a podcast. Well, my least favorite part of that particular NPR or Radiolab episode was that they had somebody talking about math, and uh, the phrase they used was, I times it out, instead of I multiplied it. So, and it was... Well, they've, they've just given away that they never actually took any schooling beyond the fifth grade. Isn't, a pul- isn't Pulse like a sex toy that Trojan released this past year. Is it? I'm fairly certain it is. Well, these are laser pulses, so that's different. I don't know. I don't know. Which one? Which one's sexier? Lasers. Cameron, you're like the Charlie Brown of this podcast. Oh. You're the leader, but everything you say is so sad. Old brother. <laughs>